0: Yeah, I know. You you can't guess what he's gonna talk about from Mm. the adapters. Um it is it's post mortem where you're like, Oh (laughs) and I say post mortem on purpose because they were brutal. (laughs) But (laughs) everywhere. (laughs) Wow, what
1: what what is brutal? This was a
0: brutal book, Trace. This was a brutal book. (laughs) I really
1: feel like I've traumatized you because you've said this several times to me.
0: So many times. I I was was like, Trace, what the hell? (laughs) It was painful. It was a painful read.
1: welcome to a new episode of foreign blend everybody Mm. my name is tracy with no e and i'm joined by my co-host mesvita m101 how's it going ma'am it's going okay (laughs) just okay Okay. can you believe it's It's september already like what is this
0: shook like i feel like i'm still on pause from march 2020 to be honest with you (laughs) I I like that. It's a sensible thing to think about, and it's a sensible place to be at. Because technically, I think we're, like we're just waiting for stuff to end, so we can continue with our rest of our lives. But like the years are going by.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were gonna say the months are going by. No, no, the years.
0: Yeah. Hey. is anyone? It's going to be 2022 <laughs> now. Those are
1: years. You know those memes of the person still processing 2020.
0: <laughs> Meanwhile, 2022 <laughs> is coming. It's coming. It's like, are you guys ready for this? <laughs> like, that's where we are. No.
1: But the mm-hmm. thing is, it feels like it's never going to end. I've heard there's now even a, a newer variant than Delta. Yeah, the, what I'm, is it? I don't know. <laughs> I heard it's about... Like, X-
0: Yes, even if we have like the, the, the vaccine,
1: way. even if you have the vaccine, it doesn't mean anything. You can still get COVID. You still have to be careful. You still have to stay indoors. So it's no. just like, when when will this be over? Can Edward Cullen know. tell us how the other <laughs> pandemic went?
0: Not Edward Cullen. <laughs> Not but you know, Edward that's the whole Cullen.
1: plot point. He was like, yeah, that's how he became a vampire. Because <laughs> <laughs> he was dying in the other pandemic and then a vampire decided, you know, actually, oh I'm going to save you and you're going to be my son.
0: <laughs> wow. Speak to Carlisle. Don't come okay. to me. Okay. Wow, that's his English. origin story. So what is his a- origin
1: story? He's, he's connected to the pandemics. Shout out to Edward Cullen. Please <laughs> tell us how this
0: pans out because I'm over it. I'm over it. <laughs> like, when does it end? Like, when did people like just leave their homes and be like, "Okay, it is what it is." That <sighs> I don't know. Maybe it's just it's just a freak virus that's here doing the most, and then it'll just as hot and heavy as it came. It's gonna just <laughs> not be. <laughs> this is. We have to hope. <laughs> like. It's just gonna calm down. I don't know. I don't know, Trace. I don't see the end. It's tiring.
1: The goals. We are hope tired. so. We hope so. We hope so. Anyway, in order to pass yeah. the time, we read books. So today we have a book review episode, our favorite kind, honestly. We do love books. We love books.
0: Yeah.
1: And we read the book titled "The Educated Waiter" by the author Tafazwa Taruvenga and wow we have a lot of thoughts a lot of thoughts so yeah i think we didn't preface this podcast by saying spoiler alert everywhere (laughs) um all the spoilers were gone into so (laughs) as soon as you can please get a copy of the book to read it so that you can listen to this podcast and listen to our breakdown of it so i guess we should just start at the beginning
0: like when you when you started like when you saw the book because tracy is the one who outsourced the book okay she came to me with this book what did you expect when you just saw the, the the title and maybe just reading a few reviews like what did you expect from the book
1: so I read the blurb and I think that's what interested me I don't even know how it was recommended to me to be honest but I read the blurb and he talks about the fact that he's going to speak about what it's like being a foreign national in South Africa so it's very mm-hmm. on brand for us and he was very specific about, you know, people who are doing what can be considered low low wage work, things mm. like uh Uber driving, for example, being a waiter, for example, and yet being very educated, which is the story of a lot of immigrants. Yeah. You know, like we've said in other episodes of this podcast, like there's levels to the immigrant game. Not everyone is living their best life. Everyone, some people are just getting by, even though it's, it's not, it wasn't their dream to be an Uber driver. It wasn't their dream to be a waiter. But yeah. it's all that they can get, and they're just doing it to survive. And it's better than being back in their home country, wherever that is. And yeah, they're just trying to make it in South Africa, basically. So I think that's what interested me about the book. Um, would you have read the book if I didn't force it upon you? <laughs>
0: The thing is, like you said, it wasn't a book that was actually on my radar. I think when you did put it on me, it was interesting. Like the the blurb was interesting. Like the idea was interesting because you're right, it is on blurb. And it's a Zimbabwean writer. So when you put it in front of me, I was like, absolutely. But it just wasn't on my radar because I think it's a difficult book to read. But yeah, I probably, if I'd run into it, I probably would have read it because there's a lot lot of
1: question how did you know it was going to be difficult to read from jump
0: (laughs) so he goes on if you read the blurb (laughs) there's a point where he's describing how um he's using cornflakes um or like how he's mixing cornflakes with Knorr soup or whatever and i was really like okay so okay this particular part he goes like I poured the boiled water into a bowl of crumbly Kellogg's cornflakes and carefully added a few granules of Nor soup powder over the crushed smithereens. I mixed it all together, gnashed my teeth, and forced down each bite with ample struggle. I was hungry. For most, it would be unfathomable eating a meal that wasn't one. But I wanted to graduate with a Rhodes University degree so badly that no cornflakes seemed like a reasonable supper to allay the aching pangs. For dessert, I wept quietly. So I already knew Ooh. this book. <laughs> and like the thing, like I, like when you say there are gains to the immigrant struggle, um, and I want to say, like, I'm so privileged because my story is like I was very pampered and protected by my parents and uh, my, my vast experience was funded by my parents and they did everything to make sure that, you know, I was looked after. But it doesn't mean you don't... Um, friends, family that went through a similar experience to this. And because you know them and in a way you've, they tell you like, this is what I had to do to get by. It wasn't an unfamiliar story to me. And like, it, it, it's really painful hearing about what people sometimes have to go through um, to get something as basic as a degree. Do you know what I mean? It's not about just going to school and passing. That's, that's not even, they don't even bring that struggle in a lot. In his story it's about everything else it's about getting transport getting books getting food the the supportive aspect of getting this degree that it's so tough um and quite underappreciated you know someone will be like okay you've got a funded degree from a university yeah but like where am i gonna live (laughs) you know Mm. yeah like what am i gonna eat every day yeah um so that's why that, that's why I was just like I can already see where it's going <laughs> and it, it was mm-hmm. it was a bit of a painful read um because there was many moments where I was just like I've heard someone tell a similar story
1: yeah so that was just uh, so yeah I, I I definitely feel you on that so I wanted to also like discuss the chapter titles and like what your impressions or expectations were of the chapter titles if you had any
0: the chapter sizes were very cheeky. <laughs> Some of them were quite cheeky. I felt like a lot of them didn't give away what the title was, like what the chapter was about. The like the, the, the like oh, that's why the chapter is called this, um, which is quite clever. I think his use, of, like language in itself, and words and um, phrases, is very, it's very, um, it's very good. Uh, yeah, generally. But yeah, I I had no idea. Like at the beginning of each chapter, I really would have no idea what I was diving into, <laughs> <laughs> based on based on the on the chapters.
1: Mm. I felt the same way, like especially with the the one chapter was about Nairobi. It had Nairobi in the title, and I was really yes. looking forward to that. And then it ended up that that chapter had really nothing to do with Nairobi <laughs> necessarily, or Kenyan men, for that fact. But I mean, <laughs> he did go to Nairobi for an opportunity there was some sort of learnership and the qualification around was happening in Nairobi and he did describe the city so there were certain places that he described that I, were familiar to me so like there was a road that he talked about called Arguings Kodak Road which hmm. I know and I've actually driven on I've been there there's a shopping mall he mentioned called Yaya Center which I also know and have been to so, like, I appreciated those little... But there's not really much about Kenya in that chapter. It's, it's really quick.
0: Yeah, I know. You, you can't guess what he's going to talk about from mm. the chapters. Um, it is, it's post-mortem where you're like, oh. <laughs> and I say post-mortem on purpose because they were brutal.
1: <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs> Dead bodies everywhere.
0: Everywhere. What are talking
1: about? <laughs> what, what, what is brutal?
0: This was a brutal book, Trace. This was a brutal book.
1: <laughs> I really feel like I've traumatized you because you've said this several times to me.
0: So many times, like when I, I was like, Trace, what the hell? <laughs> it was painful. It was a painful read. Um, mm. but I like what you said. Like we'll, we'll get into how much you hurt me. But like, I like what you said when you were talking about how he was in Nairobi and you could recognize, um, like certain areas and certain streets he's Shona so he's Shona's Melbourne, and I really enjoy having him speak about certain places in Harare there's, especially there's a scene where he's describing um, oh now I've forgotten the name oh my god I'm so sorry to everyone out here yeah. but basically the Harare vi- Harare version of Park Station um, where okay. he goes to get the bus um, and trust me if you you know this place like and how he describes it like the feeling in the air the like there's a point where he's talking like um he's describing like how this thief like almost like thieves kind of waiting people are just wanting to grab your bag people are trying to direct you to a bus like you don't even want to go there but someone's almost like okay yeah i know that's where your destination but look at this bus don't you want to get on here um like just the the frenzied nature of that place, being there. And that's exactly how it feels. Like you just, you, you it's like you've walked into a different land. Like it's just so hectic and hurried. And th- that's where you, you get the buses that go to like um, the cross border buses. So it's someone, you're saying goodbye to someone who's like going across the border, or like to different places. And it is quite sad. Like it's quite a sad moment because usually the whole family comes and then you have to watch them and wave at them. And like, he describes that. And I felt like I was just like, oh, this guy knows, hey, he's been in the and he's been in the place. And also like his frequent use of Shona um as well. It was it was really like I've read a few books where people use Shona, but he definitely like he tries to use the language to um, how do you say, like relate to his foreign environment the best way. So he'll try to describe certain South African um, cultures or words in a shona way so that he he can also identify with it there which I you know it's nice because sometimes I also catch myself doing that like well, someone will say this and I'll be like oh in shona it's like this or like it's like that and it just makes you feel a bit at home um, when you're reading the book just from my perspective mm. yeah yes. so what struck
1: me about this being a very stereotypically Zimbabwean book or rather that it was a Zimbabwean author was like the big words that I used I was like hey dudes, <laughs> you just playing into the stereotype I made a note here on page one words I didn't know anionic solubilizers sonorous cuspid I was like page one my he dude, was why
0: he was why using you dictionary? he was using he does he does do that a lot. He does do that a lot.
1: Um, and then later I mean, on there was a, there was, he was describing sexy times and he uses yeah. the phrase rhododendron shrubbery. I was like, wow he did. he, <laughs> yes, he did. I was like, he okay, did actually. Did you have to do that? Like it was just that the trope of like overly educated Zimbabweans because like that's their
0: thing. I couldn't let um his people down do you know what I mean he had to represent
1: yeah so that was insane but I was yeah I was pleasantly surprised I was like oh of course <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then
1: <laughs> the other thing about like the language in the in the book was like his use of shona I, I found interesting but I felt like he he translated too much Shona, in my opinion mm, okay I feel like you could have figured out what was happening in your context and it almost felt like he was pandering to a non-zimbabwean audience so oh. it's like we we are entering your story so now it should be our job to understand but like he was really trying to explain everything i felt like he, he was explaining to me as if i was a white person or something
0: i mean i guess maybe when he was doing his editing i don't know this is maybe they- you have to translate it properly that's that's, that's a real think- thing
1: there were I feel like there are really moments you could have understood what was happening from context. Like I'm not I'm...
0: <laughs> Yeah. No, there is shame. It was it he was, it was basic. It was basic, Shauna. And he yeah, you could forget what he was trying to say. Mm. Um he was
1: trying and to be... I, th- I also feel like in comparison, there's a part where he goes to Germany in the book and he didn't do nearly as much translating of the German, I felt. Um so it yes. it just it fed into my assumption that you know.
0: Ah.
1: the The author was thinking about the audience, but it was like he was thinking about maybe a German audience or a white audience who would be reading his book.
0: Yeah, so yes. he trans
1: over translated the African parts, but under translated the European parts.
0: Okay, I see.
1: That's how it felt to me.
0: You are not. You are not. You're right because there, there were parts in the German part where I was like, "What is he talking about?" Yeah, we were like, huh "What is that?" it explain. Okay, no, you are right. You're not wrong. I, I have no excuse for him there. He should have he should have stuck to his guns and just been like, you know what, it is my book, it is my space, as you enter it. Um, you have to just accept what's going on. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting. I recently actually listened to a spaces where they were they were doing spaces in poetry on Twitter. And one of the things that came up was how people are afraid to do like poetry in their mother tongue because they don't want, they want to be inclusive. But in that same aspect, by not doing, um, like not performing their poetry in their mother tongue, they actually, they are actually being exclusive. They're like, they're eliminating. Um, and it's only simply because they've been conditioned to pander to, like it's not good enough if it's not read or seen by English speakers. Which mm. is, yeah it's yeah it's interesting because that's that's kind of what you're saying like this is a space it should have been 100% comfortable for you to be like I can use it and you guys must just pick it up
1: because I've read a Zimbabwean book like a book by a Zimbabwean author before and I remember I had to like keep messaging you and saying yo what does this mean and I was like sending you photos of my book
0: sweet medicine yeah and she was talking deep (laughs) she really was like take it or leave it Mm and I like
1: that I like that you know with certain words that get repeated come to an understanding of what is being said eventually and it feels more rewarding that way like you've earned an understanding
0: mm, of, the, of the book that's true mm. okay I see you there he, we'll send him notes <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we'll send him notes we'll just tag him and be like here's a few things we just n- think you needed to just work on but you know great book great book i <laughs> <laughs> I remembered the name of the bus station. Mm-hmm. It's, rudaport. It's, so, but we don't, no one calls it, no one says it like that. They say like rudaport. Oh,
1: is that where rudaport comes from? I thought it was an Afrikaans word.
0: I don't know, but that's how, but it's not Shona. It's just, that's how people say it. with like rudaport. And it took me a really long time to be like, what is the name of this place? Like even when I was like growing up, but like what roadport? What then you'd see, then one time I actually saw the huge sign and it said roadport. And I was like, oh, road like a Okay. <laughs> We've just been saying whatever. We felt like for like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> this is... just not the word. Yeah. But road, yeah, that's the name of the the park station equivalent in Zim.
1: I see. Yeah. So anyway, um, we haven't really gone over the plot of this book. So no. it starts out with him coming to South Africa for university. He goes to Rhodes University. I don't know how many years ago this was, um, but I'm imagining it was before our time because I didn't see any Fees Four vibes anywhere.
0: No, 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 no. We follow him after he graduates.
1: Uh, all the jobs he, he does after that. And his road essentially, to becoming an author of this book, so the ending mm. of the book is him writing the book and you know, having conversations with his publisher and his editor about um, the educated waiter as a book. Yeah um so yeah, that's the basic plot as a whole. What do you want to talk about in terms of the plot, in terms of his experience at uni, his experience with his family in Zimbabwe,
0: moving between mm. South Africa? um so I think it's quite important to talk about um Tafazo's uni experiences because um it's a, it's it's such a big plot to shape who who he is and how he kind of embraces life because he went through a, a tough time so he was busy doing an economics degree um, your friend but... <laughs> tough times were lasting in this book
1: <laughs> anyway continue
0: they lost, yeah they lasted to the very end I don't know <laughs> um I mean, and then on the side to support himself he was um a waiter at this um restaurant um which had very interesting characters uh for lack of a better word and you know how he used to kind of make fun of some of the situations he'd find himself like when people don't say his name um every time they want to say something about Mugabe <laughs> you know what I mean like he's the end all and be all of Mugabe he knows everything about Mugabe which I, I understand that like a lot of people think I have a lot of opinions about politicians in Zimbabwe simply because I'm Zimbabwean. I'm just like, Hey man, (laughs) it is what it is. And just, yeah, it was not a very friendly environment for majority of it. Quite demeaning, condescending quite a lot of the time, but he took it because that's what you had to do. That's what Tafadza had to do to survive, you know, Mm. And I
1: I would push back against that Um, so he had an employer while he was at university he was working at a restaurant and the employer knew that he was Zimbabwean so she would always bring up Robert Mugabe and call him Mugabe as you are saying Mm. but like I can't say she was wrong for that I think Mm. when people don't have any other touch point of course yes it's a very limited view of what Zimbabwe is Zimbabwe is many things but if that's the only thing that comes through on South African media, can you blame her?
0: I guess not. I guess just most Zimbabweans are a bit touchy about the subject, so we tend to be touchy anyways. Maybe you're right, it was probably harmless, but mm. like, if anyone brings Mugabe up to me, I'm really like, what do you want me to say? Mm. <laughs> yeah, know? I think so. That's kind of mine. My...
1: You can't decide what your country becomes famous or infamous. That's true. Every time I go home to Kenya, like my family back home, they always ask me about how is the xenophobia in South Africa. And it's like, well, it's not mm-hmm. a, an everyday occurrence, twenty-four-seven, three, six, five. It's 365. it's not, yeah. not always happening. Like
0: but like that
1: that is the brand that has reached Kenya. So that's what they ask you about. And like I don't blame them for that.
0: Okay. You're a, you're a nice you're a nicer person than me. I just I honestly um I don't I don't like to talk about him. I think that's the reason. It's just like, hmm. I really my response is to most people I'm like, oh let's talk about Gabi. And it's like well, what, what do you want me to say about him? So yeah, it's it boring. <laughs> yeah. I think what bugged
1: me more is like how people would butcher his name. Tafazo is not a difficult name. It's not.
0: It's not. They just made stuff up. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, Tzwa. Taffy. Taffy was wasn't bad. I guess in some point it's like, no, I'm just gonna give you a short name. This what it is, but yes, they did name butchering is part and parcel, (laughs) and I can't even say it's a foreign experience because South Africans, like vernacular speaking South Africans with vernacular names, experience this as well. So, what must happen? Yeah. I mean, I also
1: like even with me at work, I work in a very international sort of organization. So there are people who are from other parts of the world, and I just have to deal and understand how to pronounce their name. It's really, there's no way around it. I can't yeah. tell them, no, you should have a more English sounding name. Like, I, I can't, that's unreasonable to ask. And it's unreasonable for me to give someone a nickname because I don't want to put in the work. Like,
0: but when you're, you're, in this case, he had to put up with that because, it, the, you know, you are in a and you're like a better person. So, but a lot of people do, don't think it's worth learning um, tough sounding vernacular names. Like, yeah, I like, saw something just...
1: on Twitter that today actually, like um, there was a city of Cape Town official, he was introduced by somebody, so like mayoral committee member for safety and security as Alderman J. Pismet. See Abongile. I'm not even going to try that surname, dude. Um, there's too many vowels, too awkwardly placed. Need to give a nice, short, compact one like me, Smith. This also ensures anonymity. Nobody can find you in the old phone book, but we don't have phone books anymore. Uh, and I want to say I'll go out and look for you on social media. I'll add myself to your followers. That'll be a four percent increase in your fan base. It was like such a cringe moment. Really. It was so disgusting about really. how entitled he felt and how mm. he he had no qualms complaining about someone else's name. Like, can you imagine someone complaining about your name?
0: Like yes. that's my name.
1: Like deal they're with they're it.
0: Made. And <laughs> the fact that you can just be like, I'm not gonna bother. Like, okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway, I don't wanna get angry. Let's leave that. <laughs>
0: But yeah, Stavazzo had, had to go through this daily at work and just be like, okay. <laughs> and you could hear as he writes, like he's got this underlying resentment, like this, like this in those words where he's just like, okay. Like, yeah, you say, you know what, what can I say? But this is in my home. Um, I can't fight for it here. So, okay. Like he still was struggling for food. Which for me is, is, is the actual pits. Like struggling for food is the definition of something somewhere has failed most spectacularly um, in society and life. Like where a grown man doing an economics degree is literally like counting down how many meals he has. And like thing mixing, I've never even heard of mixing cornflakes with the soup packets. I was just like, what is that? But that's where he was. Look, it's expensive, Maji exactly like like, but you know what I mean I was just like he's that's where he is and not only is he there he's he's not gonna fight it he's he's taking it like I have to do this like I have to get through this this is just part and parcel of the experience not Mm. the first not the last yeah I felt it felt I felt really bad for him because
1: I think there's also a lot of shame in that moment he can't Mm. I can't imagine him calling his mom back in Zimbabwe and telling her about the struggle that he's having. Like, she doesn't need to hear that. She's also having her own struggles back in Zim, trying to figure out school fees for the roads' um, tuition. So he has to keep it to himself. Nobody knows that he's really struggling like this, except for, like, his other foreign national friends who can just see it in his eyes. Like, yo, man, take my dining hall card and get a proper meal because I can see... Like, that was so heartbreaking for me. The fact that his one friend didn't even have to ask him, have you eaten today? She yeah. just knew. She just knew.
0: Yeah. Yo, guys. You know, it's, yeah. <laughs> like, there's something. And, and in that moment where, like, you know, people are so prideful. But you're at a point where you can you physically cannot say no to that offer. Like, you can't. You can't be like, I figure it. Out. You have to be like, thank you. You have to take from another student. You have to accept, like, that level. And also when he was stealing um uh was it sunlight like right in the beginning it's actually i think one of the opening scenes oh my days yeah how he stole sunlight liquid so he could take a bath it's not even his sunlight liquid he had to steal someone else's sunlight dishwashing liquid so he could take a bath
1: the crazy part is this is not even the lowest point he
0: reaches no no so you're just
1: like wow rock bottom has a basement (laughs) no (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> the bar is in hell. <laughs> yeah, this guy. Oh, anyway, let's,
1: <laughs> let's let's keep it moving. Let's keep it moving. Um. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff, like even with his um this double life that he was leading between what is going on in Grahamstown versus who he is when he goes back home. Did he live in Harare?
0: Yes, I think so.
1: Yeah, so there uh-huh. was like Grahamstown Tafazwa and then Harare Tafazwa, and they were like two different people, mm. um, and I think that's true for most foreign nationals, is like when they go back home, they're kind of like seen as the king coming back home, like you yes. have been doing so well for yourself back in South Africa, the fact that you're able to be there is amazing, mm. and yes, you are privileged to go to another country, for sure, but... Only us as the readers know like how, how much Tafazo is What's struggling to, to find soap to bath with, yes. to find a proper meal, to yes. find a place to stay. Yep. It's like, I mean, and that's the other thing. Like He was always, so the, the book of the title is called The Educated Waiter. And what I realized is that he always worked in a restaurant because when you work in a restaurant, you can have free food. Yes. So it was like part of his survival strategy. It's not even because he enjoyed being he, a waiter. It was wait. just like, yeah. I get food here yeah so is- when he returns home people have no idea that he's been hustling hard to just get mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. um and that even coming home there's like the sense of relief because at least at home his mom will take care of him to an extent
0: yeah
1: this is soap oh, guys.
0: <laughs> you know like that basic there is soap there is a house there's you know there's shelter and like and even though sometimes you'll see he like makes fun of like some of the food they eat at home there is still a meal at the end of each day Mm. even if it's soya beans and whatever it's it's there Mm. um and very true like how he for me it's how like when he returns home I think at some point even refers to himself as like the man of the house because the father passed away and it was just such a contrast is like at home he's a man of the house and if you look at what he's been going through it's like the imagery just simply doesn't match, you know, like stealing soap, like mixing cornflakes, um, having to take charity from other people and stuff. And you just, he's the man of the house. Um, and yeah, I was just like, it, it's a complete separation of your lives, a complete breakaway. Like this is my life in Zim. This is what I mean. This is my standing in society in Zim. And then this is my standing uh, when I go to South Africa, this is where I am. And I have to be able to, Sit in both positions comfortably. have to be able to adapt between the two positions. Mm. Yeah, because like in
1: Zimbabwe, he lives a very privileged life. His mom has like a professional job. She worked at a bank or something. Yes, she worked for the Reserve Bank. So, like, there's working for the Reserve Bank and then working as a waiter. Those are two very different incomes and yeah. two very different lifestyles and standards of living. Absolutely. So, yeah, it's, it's like worlds apart in that sense. Um, and i thought it was like really stressful when his mom sent his sister over to south africa and it's like tafato is barely managing my g (laughs) he can't deal with his siblings now coming to university as well in south africa and helping them figure it out and like it happens all the time with like immigrant families like once one person is settled in south africa whatever settled means, now we're going to start sending you relatives and you must Absolutely. handle it.
0: If it's a one room that you're sharing, then they must also be, they must just split. However the situation is, the point is the, pac- the patient, the mm, the patient, the person is in South Africa and they're doing something, then it's fine. Settle there together, fix each other there. Messy. Yeah, it's very <laughs> hectic. But it's always viewed as a better life. You know, I would love to know what
1: the sister thought when she
0: got there. (laughs)
1: Like, what was she expecting?
0: A bachelor flats, you know. You know, like my brother's studying at Rhodes. Mm. I don't know.
1: Yeah, tragic stuff, tragic stuff. So basically, you know, we can divide the book into good bits, the good part and the bad part. (laughs) which one do you want to start with
0: (laughs) we will start with the bad bits um simply because we do want to give it a happy ending okay
1: let's get to the bad stuff
0: yay bad bits what is what for you was like peak bad bits
1: I think I think the the trajectory of the story kind of just amplifies the bad parts because it was downhill after downhill after downhill. That's true. That's true. Um, but I think I think for me the lowest of the low point was Dubai <laughs> <laughs> because someone else was dragged into the mess. Yeah,
0: just oh, a short. Horrible. So, in Dubai, what happens is um, Tafazo gets a job in Dubai. No, first he gets married. Okay, he gets married. And it's an unstable relationship from the beginning, but he gets married because that's what you do. And he goes to Dubai and he's living in a tiny space, in a shared space. A crappy job, a job that he hates as well. Yeah, job that he's just frankly unhappy with. Um, And then to make matters worse, he brings his new wife. Um, said space lots of false promises of, not false but like you know you have an expectation about the life you're going to live and they just basically hate the experience they both fall into a depression they're fighting everyone hates everything and you have as a reader like he's so good with his writing because you as a reader are in that you are in that mess of feelings of just feeling hopeless and depressed and literally like you can't you're trapped I was just like mm-hmm. get out of here Get out! that like you can, you can. This is not happy. There's no happiness here.
1: Terrible. Mm. I think what added to that feeling of being trapped was okay. First of all, Dubai is so far from everything that he you knows. So far from South Africa. So far from zim He can't like take a, a young reprieve and go home and take a break. That like, what does that flight cost? He can't do that. He just can't afford to do it. Um. So I think, like, the only moments he had any sort of quiet time was, like, him wandering the the streets of Dubai and, like, sitting in a bus stop that is air-conditioned because Dubai is just really hot. And him just sitting there and not taking a bus, but just sitting there. And I think... So what I was saying is that added to the feeling of being trapped was how small their apartment was. I think they were living in a two-bedroom apartment, but they were allocated the closet or something. So it was, like, Harry Potter vibes. And it was just, (laughs) like... This is not a place to bring your newly, um, your, your wife, your new no. wife.
0: Like this is not what she signed up for no. <laughs> at all. <None. sighs> and he was in such a bad space already. Mm. But like
1: he, he couldn't even take care of her. Like he couldn't, no. he just didn't have it in him.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and she couldn't find work either. So she was just stuck in that closet all day. Which is basically a prison when you're in, and that yes. because it was like a two bedroom and they were given the closet, it meant they had no windows either. Yep. So, do you understand like that level of just trapped, nothing, <laughs> nothing to do, trapped? I think that's that's why yeah, I, I hated Dubai. He hated his job. People at work were giving him trouble, they were yeah. trying to replace him all the time. Tafado <laughs> didn't we have any friends there. So there was really no relief. It was like it was horrible being at home. It was horrible being at work. He couldn't dr- go back to Zim for the week. It was just horrible. Was but time. people but
0: people back home were just like, You're in Dubai, living soft life. You know? What does that mean? I deserve to be in Dubai on a yacht in a thong. Like <laughs> You know that's the imagery. <laughs> I don't even know if father saw water in Dubai. Like that's my thing.
1: Like, do you go to the waterfront? Like,
0: so. there's no scene where he describes that. He describes his home and work <laughs> every day was... on a daily,
1: and just feeling hopeless. There were no thongs or yachts in that whole chapter. Yeah. There was.
0: No <laughs> <hopeless>. <laughs> yeah, know. that was a pretty dark time in the book.
1: Um. So that's my answer.
0: Yeah, yeah, you took us back there. Um, I have to say, I don't know. I don't know if other people will consider this their lowest point, but I did for me when I read this. Um, it broke my heart. Is he's completed his degree? Um, there's some point in the book where he goes and he does this learnership or whatever in Germany, and then after all of that, he comes back to Zim and Zim in its worst financial crisis. Like it's really a mess. And this guy who's got a degree in economics, well learned, he's traveled a bit, you know, he's traveled, um, goes and starts selling chickens like road runners and not yeah. big scale farming. You know what I mean? Like, he's not starting a chicken farm. Um, he's selling like a little bit of chickens in the back of his mom's um, house that like, they have a little chicken run where he has to do stuff like watch if the chickens get too cold or too hot and whatever. And I'm just like, is this where we are, Dafadza? Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. So he was like, I'm going to do with what I have. And what I have is nothing. It's like he tried everything, <laughs> almost. You know, he tried and he tried and he'd reached out for contacts and he'd done this. And, and this is after he's had a bit of history working in South Africa. And it's just a point in the book where I was just like, it's like he doesn't have any, any future. Like, he's just, this is his life now. Like, and did we, did we go to Rhodes and eat cornflakes, dry cornflakes with this? Mm. Yeah, that took me out, eh? I, I even closed the book after that. Because it's not even like it doesn't even he, and he doesn't even describe it as like there's moments where Tafadzwa digs deep into the thought the source of depression and the hopelessness. And then he's just literally just describing what he's doing, but it yeah, it took me out, eh? I was just like, wow. Uh, yeah. It hurt me. Educated, small time chicken farmer, I guess. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think it speaks to what you were
1: saying before we started recording like he followed all the rules he did all the things you're supposed to do to have a stable and prosperous life mm-hmm. and yet life is just cruel and the good times ended and he was mm-hmm. back in his mom's house yep. yeah that is true. the only silver lining is that that's how he finds his wife eventually and
0: he does really have a good time with her in Zimbabwe
1: so like I was happy
0: that he got to have that he does he did meet his wife and they did they actually did have a good I think that's the thing is like in those chapters like he's not really he's looking at his life kind of contentish in a way he was actually kind of content when he was not happy you know he still had moments where he'd be like you know I'm still looking for jobs and whatever. but but he was content Mm. and it is nice to see like a more social aspect to him like him going on dates and him like trying to charm life and stuff like that that was nice to see Um, uh, Okay, so I'm going to start reading from here. So in the difficult Zimbabwean economy, parents make paying tuition a priority, even over buying food. Skinny, hungry polymaths of the ghetto dominate prize-giving days, faithful to an education that will one day maybe improve their circumstance. Teachers and lecturers are largely committed to academic distinction, disregarding the mass exodus of skilled graduates once educated to South Africa, the UK, America, Canada, China, Afghanistan, Australia, Germany, et al. They might become educated waiters like me, educated domestic workers, educated cleaners, educated Uber drivers, educated shop attendants, educated au pairs and educated nannies to children who grow up to employ them. The children will one day brag at a family tea in the garden about Sylvia's working for their parents for five years, and for them, another five and counting. But they themselves and their parents have never bothered to help sylvia with getting a permit that could enable decent employment they don't know that she's a better mathematician than sam the tutor who teaches their daughter maths literacy an inferior alternative to maths well shade it's a perplexing narrative of the non-native highbrow the classical dissonance between the sweat of sylvia's brow and fate Oof! i
1: loved that paragraph yeah because it summarized everything And then, yeah, his second point around, you know, the domestic worker who is a mathematician, basically. Um, And again, you know, people doing all the right things, getting an education, getting Mm -hmm. 90% is just normal for you throughout your school and career, only for you to end up being a domestic worker in South Africa and Mm -hmm. seeing your employer's children taking maths lit. And you're just there. Yeah. And you're just there like, wow. It's just opportunities that differentiate us. But in terms of like actually having the the knowledge and, you know, the capacity to learn, it's all there. Like we both have it. It's just that mm. you have opportunities and I didn't. The only opportunity I had maybe was to be a domestic worker. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was very, very perceptive. It was very true to like conversations that I, I usually like to talk to the Uber driver anytime I'm taking an Uber or a Bolt or whatever. Mm. and yeah it's the story is always the same it's like yeah i was a mechanical engineer but now i'm uber driver and you're just like but why yeah it's just it just feels like it's it feels wrong it's like no Mm. Mm. this is not how it's supposed to be because you did the right thing you followed the formula and you're just like yeah you're speechless it's like wow okay
0: (laughs) yeah that, that you're right that sylvia passage did actually leave you a bit speechless um because when you read that and when you digest that concept it kind of gives you a pause where you stop and you're just like it's actually not about me working hard um and me you know it's you kind of feel like you're not the driver of your own fate in a way Mm -hmm. like you're not um there's so many things at play um out there that involve you for sure it involves where you grew up um where you went to work how you were taught the color of your skin your nationality and it doesn't matter how how well like i said you, how well you follow the formula sometimes you actually are not the driver of your fate mm. that's it sylvia here yeah, was she's not the driver of your fate she's a skilled mathematician she should not be serving tea to these people and then their children and then they grandchildren until the day she dies. But that's what she's going to do.
1: Mm. And I yeah. thought
0: it was very... He put he put
1: the middle class people who have domestic workers on blast saying, yeah. you know, why are you okay with Sylvia working for you for 25 years? Why, why isn't she having career progression like you do in mm. your job? Mm. Why isn't she advancing to... I don't know, starting her own business. Like, why are you okay with this? With this being the situation that like, people can even inherit a domestic worker from their yes. parents? It's yeah. like, no, yeah. guys.
0: Yeah.
1: Or where the domestic worker's daughter also becomes a domestic worker. Like, oh, that's not okay, yeah. guys. Yeah. And that's, we're not putting South Africans on blast. We're putting everyone yeah. who has a domestic worker on yes. blast, no matter where you live.
0: Exactly. In the world. Like, is that okay? 100%. Like, have, you, have, you ever, have you ever asked, you know, like, what where, where to is this is this it for you Sylvia what's next hmm. and what can I do in my capacity like we're not saying go and you know people I think are always afraid if you're like oh you want to progress someone's like no I have to pay for them now no <laughs> just does she need a day off to go to home affairs that's a big thing you know, to go sort mm. out this. Does she need a day off to go get to a job interview. That's mean, that kind of stuff where now you become involved, small time, be like, okay, this is what you're doing today. Have you gotten this sorted? Maybe she needs, maybe someone just needs even like printing services at your house, like small stuff. But no, Sylvia's good at making tea. She's good at looking after the kids. Mm. And you're right, it is putting everyone on blast. <laughs> be better, do better. Yeah,
1: so I think, you know, Tafadzwa is very good at fleshing out who these people are. Who are the nannies? Who are the domestic workers? Who are the waiters? What like What is going on in their life outside of who you see them at work? Because these are people with hopes and dreams too, just like you, you know. So you should see them as such. And I think that's what this book is trying to do. So even though like all of these bad bits are really painful to read and to see how like the lows of the lows that he goes through, it reminds us that, you know, this is not what he deserves. He doesn't want to be there either. And even us, we feel like, damn, you don't deserve this. How can we help? Yeah, then maybe we should move on to the good bits. What did I enjoy in this book? <laughs> um, okay, so for for me, like the good bits were the romances he experienced. His mm-hmm. one at university and then um when he was courting his future wife. Those were good times. He was happy um i thought it was cool that because of all of his experience working in restaurants he was able to like cook for his dates yeah and they always really enjoyed that or uh when he was working in the guest house he was able to like have his girlfriend over for the weekend when the guest house was empty so like it's very sweet stuff you know i did i agree with you did have sweet romances hmm. and i feel like grandstand is a very cute place to go and like you can walk around everywhere so it seemed like a really good time in that sense and it, it helped us forget like, the struggle <laughs> was also real at the end of the day.
0: <laughs> it was like a break, like a reprieve. Mm. Okay. Um, My good moments, good bits of the book was, so there was a lot of points. You kind of gave up on humanity in this book, but he'd always bring you back. Um, there was always some kind stranger or kind friend, really, that would reach out to Tafazwa, sometimes at breaking point, like really where you're like, where is he going to go? Like there's someone who... When he'd kind of given up on finishing his degree, he met someone at the guest house who offered to give him money to help him go th- to go like register. He when he didn't have a job, like he lost his one job because of his permit problems. And he called up his one friend and the friend was like, I've got a, a place for you, you know, come do work. Just basically getting him from A to B. Um, he had the one of his friends who was a UJ teacher. And that, it's not like the UJ teacher um, had money, exactly, but he when Tafaz was basically homeless, he offered him a place to stay and, you know, use the Wi Fi, look for jobs. And it restored your humanity time and time again to just see how there were always people for him. Um, when things mm. were rough. Like not everyone was just like, you know what, this man is in his own struggle and that's his life. There were people who would be like, I don't have much, but I'm gonna I'm gonna help you the best I can consistently in the in the in the book, in his life honestly so that that was nice for me because there were points where you're just like oh lord <laughs> as well. give up man um and just to see those moments of someone reaching out and lending a hand was very nice to see you know and germany germany was nice <laughs> germany was nice for no other reason that it was just a break um yeah he was just in germany Doing his learnership, there wasn't much else happening. But it was a break for the reader. It was a break for him. Mm. I think yeah. one of my expectations
1: around the Germany
0: chapter was like, I was like, okay, so this
1: is where he ends up eventually. He stays in Germany and he lives happily ever after. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, when the learnership
1: ended, I to... <laughs> had to go back home. I was like, damn,
0: he's going back to South to chickens, girl. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, this guy. <laughs> Not
1: it's not his fault it's not his fault honestly <laughs> like no, the, the learnership not. had had a contract there was a specified you know duration so like what can yeah. you do you have
0: to go there's home nothing. no there's nothing and he was trying that's the thing like kafad was such a hustler like everywhere he went he was just trying to make connections trying to see like how do i get a job out of this and it just never worked out for him
1: mm. yeah because i think the thing is in in germany everything is very structured and regimented and Mm -hmm. you have to go through formal channels to get things like jobs, like permits. Whereas in South Africa, he could kind of get by with using his network and asking Mm -hmm. people, Hey, can I work for you for a few months? I can do ABCD. And Mm. people are more willing to like, you know, meet you in the, in the middle um, Mm. without a formal contract or needing to see your permit or your passport or whatever. So I think Mm -hmm. in that sense, Africa was a safe haven, or South Africa rather, because you could do that and it was a bit more fluid, whereas I feel like in Germany there wasn't really room for that sort of in-between flexibility, informal Mm. work sort of thing.
0: Mm -mm, Very true, actually, yeah. But, you know, shame. He came back to them. (laughs) (laughs) Where the struggles continue. (laughs) But, you know, the good bits are, I have to say, they are far and few between. <laughs> it's mostly they are. Yeah, it's mostly a book about suffering, like how circumstance really can make you suffer as a person. Nothing more than just circumstance. Like you can fight, but it's like fighting quicksand. Like you're just sinking every single time you try. You just sink and sink and sink and sink, and that's what suffers did for ninety five percent of this book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but well written, writing in his bag for sure I think for me like the worst part I think the
1: even worse than Dubai was that after Dubai and his marriage falling apart and his wife leaving him mm. was that he had to go back and work for Caesar the yeah. second time oh, so God. Caesar was a bad boss in the first instance and then he yeah. left for Dubai and then he came back to South Africa and he had to work for Caesar again because he had nothing else I was just yeah. like
0: damn yeah and like i this can is imagine the devil like, you know like yeah damn. Literally. like going back to that terrible um restaurant environment where like your boss is just abused like not like physical and emotional abuse but just abuses you at work like you do too much for too little <laughs> and you know like you get shouted at for stealing food or like taking like leftovers almost like how dare you take someone's leftovers but you're hungry yeah. You know. Yeah. And
1: I feel like it was him working at season the second time which really just solidified, okay, depression season is about to kick yeah. in for real now. Yeah. And he went to a very dark place where he would just go home and collapse basically. Mm. And mm. wait for the next day to hit him. And yeah. yeah, the only sort of freedom he had was having writing and being able to write stuff. And That's it nice eventually thing. turned into him writing the book. So I felt like in a sense, because we are now reading his writing, it felt like we were definitely there in the depths with him, but it was mm-hmm. kind of like we were holding his hand in a way because as he wrote, he was kind of doing a like some sort of self-care um, and us reading kind of validates that, uh, that, you know, we mm-hmm. bought his book eventually. So like, I was feeling a bit hopeful that, you know, okay, he becomes a writer. So it works <laughs> out in the end. He's not a waiter forever. Because really, like at the start of the book, I really had this expectation that, okay, it's a university job. This is temporary. Mm. Mm. But it, it's really just a mainstay of his life. That's why he called the book The Educated Waiter. He had like, mm. I don't know, almost four waitering jobs. Very consistent thing for him and a very stable things that he keeps coming back to. And I was just like, wow. Um, I really hope out of this so I was feeling hopeful <laughs> when he started writing
0: it's it's nice because you're right like when when you're reading you keep on you also self-soothing yourself because <laughs> you're like no he's fine he he ends up writing like he ends up publishing this book so sh- this nightmare ends um and I like how you were like it's like we were holding his hand like this book his writing the f- like the hope got him through his worst moments more or less like if mm. you put it that way. like it really did get him through I think when he was at the darkest and it was, it's nice to see that there was no red tape to his writing. There's no bureaucracy to his writing. Like he didn't have to get a permit. He didn't have to spend hours at home affairs and get rejected. You know, it was the one thing in his life for a long time, I think, which you could do freely um, unaccumbered with no expectations or restrictions, which was his Mm. whole life basically.
1: Yeah. Like there's a point like after the maybe at the middle of the book, um we are just in the state of limbo where he's mm. just waiting on home affairs to give him a positive result and he's waiting for years and years and years are passing and you're just like he's still waiting to be validated as a person in order to realize his dreams but before he's given the green light on being a legal person he can't do anything he's stuck mm. that's why he has to take the waitering jobs Because those ones, you don't really have to show any sort of official documentation. The guy Mm. will just employ you because you're taking a little money. But, like, he can't do anything with his degree. He can't get a professional job if the permanent contract in a proper workplace with labor laws being adhered to. Like, he just, it's not, he can't. It's not in his reach because he has not gotten over the hurdle of home affairs and permission to live, essentially. Um, Yeah. So yeah, the, his writing was really the only place where he didn't need the permission, so he could just do what he wanted and write his story. And yeah. I was I was happy that he got something like that. Um, I don't even know if now he's been able to deal with home affairs. Like I he... wanted
0: to say at the end, he was still waiting. He got his book yeah. published, but he was still waiting. <laughs> He was sorry (laughs) for home affairs, Tracy. Home affairs is just
1: the level of the game. You can't win. It's the big boss.
0: (laughs) That's the big boss. And you haven't done all the side quests. That's the problem.
1: He's done done all the side side quests. He's (laughs) had a marriage. He's broken his marriage. He's gone to Dubai. He's cleaned toilets. He's dealt with terrible bosses. He's eaten cornflakes with no milk.
0: Okay, he's you're done, right, all done all the side quests. All the side You're right. You're right. But he couldn't defeat. He couldn't defeat the big boss. He couldn't. Because I'm thinking, of, like at the ending, I think we were talking earlier just about like the feelings at the end of the book. <laughs> and I said I walked away frustrated, and the reason being is because Tafad he's, he he submitted. And the, the the book ends with him submitting, um basically the book to the publisher and i just deserve i felt like after all of that hardship he deserved to give us even an epilogue where he's like seeing his book on the bookshelf or something or like he has a house or like he bought a house you know like he's eating cornflakes with milk even like i would have pref- i would have even be okay with like a few lines like today I woke up in my three-bedroomed house with electricity and water and a nice comfortable bed because there's sometimes where he talks about like the beds that he buys <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry no I need it I need it and then he literally will say like and I poured milk into my cornflakes and, the, and, the, and then the book ends like I get the closure the father didn't give us the closure he just left us in our fields and then finished the book and still with waiting for home affairs home affairs had not approved him that's how the book ends
1: but that's the thing it's a memoir this is these are true life events well as far as we know but like <laughs> that's a much more realistic ending that home is still leaving you on blue tick likely very likely
0: <laughs> <what I'm> <laughs> yeah um yeah i just you know it would have been nice to celebrate the pain with him i think that's what i'm trying to say like we went through the pain with him um in his words I would have liked to have a proper moment of celebration of his success like because he is, he's successful now um, and just celebrate that with him as well like be part of that but you're right at the same time it is his memoir, this is the part of his journey that he wanted to communicate I guess
1: um, mm.
0: Yeah, and we have to respect that we have to respect the way he decided to close us off yeah <laughs> Um, I didn't really, I wasn't
1: Saving some sort of victory at the end. Um, I was okay with the realism and the fact that that's how life is. Sometimes you're still waiting. Um, I think I wished he was a bit more optimistic about his future, but I guess you can't, he didn't have the retrospect that we have. Like you and I have his book in our hand. We bought it. We've spent the money. We know that he is making money from this book. We know he's doing interviews on uh, in the media So, like we know he's okay but we only know that in retrospect so in a sense i was happy for him in the sense that he's a a published author um time he was writing about his state of mind in that moment when he was just like yeah i don't know if this is going to work out this is just my journal and i'm giving it to this publisher to see what she can do with it he he wasn't as optimistic as i would have hoped so i I did i felt like i wanted to shake him and i was like dude you become an author eventually like, it's going to be okay. Um, oh. But I wasn't, I wasn't really expecting for him to now be a millionaire and, you know, living with his, his mom in his mansion and in Dubai in a song it's, on a yacht. No. Like, I wasn't expecting that at all. But
0: my my request was simple. I want a three-bedroom house with a nice bed and eating cornflakes with milk. That's what I wanted him to tell me. That's it. Shelter, yeah. nice bed, and cornflakes with milk, sir. I Mm. would have accepted it, but (laughs) but you're right. It is, it is realistic, and the book ending is lacking that optimism. But I mean, if Mm. you look at how the rest of his life had gone, it's in keeping. Like he's not at a point where he can be that optimistic. Either way, because why would this work out? Out of all the things he's tried, why would this work out?
1: Because this will work out. Because again, there's no you don't need permission to make art, like you said earlier
0: that's true he doesn't but have it, you to know, for be him, some
1: sort of formal a, a formal writer or anything like a writer can be anybody really
0: yeah
1: so it's, it's kind of like it's democratizing in that way you know like you know people just enter talent we need to have is the talent nothing else yeah so in a similar way I feel like this worked out for him and I was hopeful about okay. it but anything else that required the formal industry or a work permit no no you have to temper your
0: expectations yeah just saying no <laughs> just be there uh-uh. it's a it's a difficult journey for you. Mm. um so with that like what were we've come to the ending more or less we're at the ending people are feeling a bit antsy and frustrated maz wanted her mm-hmm. disney ending that's okay <sighs> how did it yeah, it's actually quite interesting. Trying to think how it affected me. I mean, I've always been aware of, like, the percentage of Zimbabwean Uber drivers because my name is very tellingly Zimbabwean. Like, anyone who, first of all, my surname. <laughs> so, and if they have any doubt, they see my name and, like, can spot me from far away. Mm. Um, And obviously, like, especially when, like, I remember when we went to Cape Town. Cape Town's so far away from them. And there's a lot of um, nationals working in the Uber driver industry and they have in the restaurants. And they just, they really, um, they want to, like, they just want to speak in Shona. That's the most important thing is Shona people, when they see each other, want to speak Shona. Like, girl, take me back home. So I think that like, I'm always quite aware, like, um, when people serve me, that these people are probably, like, they probably did a lot, in, like, you know, they've done a lot in their lives and circumstances led them here. But something that hit me in the book is, I think sometimes I look at people in South Africa, but I forget that people in Zim as well. Like I said, the chicken, like people, there's a lot of people who sell chickens small time in their homes, and it's like they also probably have. Like Zim is so education orientated, like that is what you do. You go to school in Zim, and it's also like they also probably have attempted and tried and pushed and hustled to be at a space where you know you've got a lot of young men who are just sitting in corners. Spending their days under a tree, just sitting there. And you can't look at them and be like, oh, these people aren't doing anything in their lives. The honest truth is you don't know. You know, and just to treat everyone with that same sort of respect of no one has done anything wrong. You know, a lot of people have not done anything wrong. It's a circumstance in life that have put them here and literally trial by luck that has put you somewhere else. Mm. Yeah. Like you're just lucky to be where you are. It's sometimes not anything you've
1: done.
0: Mm. Yeah, I always think about um,
1: one of Viola Davis's acceptance speeches where she won an award and she's like, the only reason there aren't a lot of black people who've won this award is because they haven't been given the opportunity. Everyone keeps mm-hmm. calling up Meryl Streep, will you do this thing? It's like, she has all the opportunities. She's more likely to win awards. That's just maths. So it's not about people who, not, who don't have talent, talent Mm. is there it's the opportunities which are not
0: there yeah yeah exactly so yeah that's that was kind of my takeaway just be grateful for you know where you are and if you're in a position of any sort of privilege and like he said like in the blurb he says um something that's quite nice which i think is like a good way to just close it is just he says like No, not in the blurb sorry so this is a signed copy that tracy owns um and it says nothing and no one can deny what your heart yearns for um best wishes and it's just like grab every opportunity you know just keep fighting for it um like he did like he could have given up in so many ways such a long time ago but he did he kept fighting for himself and that's you know that's also a great takeaway from that book just keep fighting through the through the swamp of nonsense and rubbish and adversity and obstacles Keep fighting. Mm. The dedication goes, uh, I dedicate this work to my family, Mama, um, which espouts the traditional Shona way, Itri Confederati, which he calls his um, sisters, Martha Tendai in memory, Gabriel Taruenga, to the memory of my late father, Peter, and to all immigrants across the world who are seeking acceptance away from home. May your dreams come true. Oh, yeah. That's really powerful, hey? Seeking acceptance away from home. Mm. Yeah, so I guess yeah. on that note, we end the podcast. Yes, I couldn't drink any coffee because it is quite late. <laughs> and This is the uh, latest
1: recording session ever, but it's because
0: very worth it. Very, very, like, such a good breakdown. Thank you, Tracy, so much for bringing this book to my attention. It shall be returned to you in due course. <laughs> one day it will arrive (laughs) In time I think I'm going to get myself a copy though because I I think it's a good good book to have in the collection
1: yeah I think on that note let's wrap up thank you so much for listening to this episode of foreign blend it is a bit of a schlep to get the book I won't lie but it's really worth it so I'll put all the links to where you can get the book in the description of this podcast um, yeah, support local artists, support African writers, yes, support Zimbabwean yeah. writers. Um, and yeah, if you're just interested in the lives of the waiters, the nannies, the domestic workers, the Uber yes. drivers, and all the other foreign nationals and foreign blends in South Africa, you should definitely read this book. Yeah, um, yeah I think we plan to do much more book reviews on the podcast.
0: Yeah, because amazing. Um, yes 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 and more yes um as always Trace it's a pleasure um and it's a pleasure having people listening to us talk to be honest thank you all the listeners for sticking with us and enjoy your evening your day your moment
1: (laughs) see you in 2022 2022,
0: because it's coming yeah
1: no no we joke we'll probably see you next month
0: (laughs) yeah all right Bye.
1: bye mm mm-hmm. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of foreign blend you can find
0: links to all of the things we discussed in the description and the show notes you can tell us what you thought of the episode by leaving us a voice note using the link in the show notes below or tweeting us at foreign blend on twitter